Hi there, and welcome back to Conversations with Father Greg. In this episode, we have a homily for Sunday, September 11th, 2022. As a note to our listeners, in this episode, the homily draws on both the epistle reading from 1 Timothy and also the gospel reading from Luke. The epistle reading will be included in the body of the episode just before the homily, and links to both readings can be found in the show notes for this episode. Let's continue on with a reading from Paul's first letter to Timothy. Paul writes, I am grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me, because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But for that reason I received mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience, making me an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory for ever and ever. Amen. The Word of the Lord. May I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, hi there, everyone. A few years ago, I did a road trip to Green Bay, Wisconsin, with a friend of mine. It was a 3,000-kilometer trip return, so it was a lot of driving, and we had a few adventures along the way. With the assistance of my GPS, we made it to Green Bay without any issue at all. On our way home, there was about 20 minutes of frustration as we discovered that a large section of highway in downtown Green Bay was under construction. A familiar, computerized voice would tell us to take a right turn, only to realize that that turn would hurdle us 30 feet through the air. So we had some difficulty getting onto the highway, but eventually we made our way towards our chosen border crossing. Or so we thought. Now, admittedly, I was driving through some unfamiliar territory, but as we drove, the territory became increasingly unfamiliar. After a couple of hours of driving, we realized that, well, we were lost. Despite our best intentions, we had been driving northwest rather than northeast and had gone about 150 kilometers out of our way. We were lost and didn't realize how far off track we were. Now, I think we've all been lost at one time or another, but what if you don't realize that you're lost? Our readings for this morning speak about this. Paul was responsible for establishing dozens of churches throughout the Mediterranean basin. He wrote the majority of what would become the New Testament. Throughout history, hundreds of churches have been named in his memory. He has made an indelible mark on Christian history. Yet that's not how it began. 
In his letter to Timothy, Paul was candid about his own guilt and gratefulness that Jesus had sought him out at a time when he didn't realize how lost that he was. Paul admits to Timothy that he had lived a good portion of his life in a kind of ignorance. Don't forget that when we first encountered Paul in the book of Acts, he was putting Christians to death. In fact, he oversaw the stoning of the first documented Christian martyr, a man named Stephen. So, although he was obviously religious, by his own admission, Paul was ignorant of the things that God was doing through this Jesus movement. Here's a funny thing. There are many things in life that you can't really address until you're aware of a problem. That's a situation that Paul found himself in when he encountered the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus while he was on his way to persecute more Christians. It wasn't until Paul had a conversion experience on the road to Damascus that he really understood what God was doing, both in the world and in Paul's own life. Paul didn't realize how far off the beaten track he had wandered. He was lost, and he didn't even know it. In our reading from Luke's Gospel, Jesus tells two parables about recovering things that are lost. In the first case, Jesus describes a shepherd who leaves 99 sheep to go in search of one lost sheep. In the second instance, he describes a woman who loses a single coin and spends hours looking for it. What I want you to hear is the extravagance in those two stories. When Jesus told the parable of the lost sheep, he asked his audience a rhetorical question. Jesus asks, Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Well, the answer to that question is easy. No one. No one would leave ninety-nine sheep unattended, in the wilderness, to go looking for a single lost sheep. But I bet that the one sheep in Jesus' parable was sure glad that the shepherd was so reckless. In the second parable, a woman spends hours searching for a coin, burning lamp oil, just so she can find a single lost coin. When she does find it, she throws a party. Between the cost of the lamp oil, her time, and the cost of the party that she threw, she has spent more than the value of the coin. But that's not the point of the parable. The point isn't the coin, but rather that when she finds it, she celebrates with her friends. Let's not forget that Jesus told these parables in response to criticism about the company that he was keeping. The religious elites of his day complained that Jesus was hanging out with an unsavory crowd. Jesus didn't deny the claims because they were true. Some of the people that Jesus associated with were shady, because shady people were the ones who needed his help the most. Rather than deny the claims, Jesus used these parables to describe how much God celebrates when people find their way back to God, especially those people who need it the most. 
Think about that for a moment. God celebrates when the worst of the worst recognize how far they've wandered off and ask for forgiveness. I'm going to let you in on a little secret today. One of the hardest things for genuinely good people to accept about the Christian faith is that God forgives those who ask for it. Our sense of fairness expects bad people to be punished and good people to be rewarded. Our natural morality wants people to get what's coming to them. In comparison, Christianity teaches that God honors the request of guilty people who ask for forgiveness. Last week, we considered a parable about a man extending a dinner invitation far and wide, going beyond those who he would normally invite. One of the great themes of that parable is that God expresses radical hospitality to all people. This week, we have two more parables about God celebrating the restoration of those who are lost. The underlying message in these parables is that God celebrates the return of those who might otherwise be considered undeserving. Elsewhere in the Gospels, Jesus tells his listeners that it's the sick that need a doctor and not the healthy. It gradually becomes evident that Jesus' teachings aren't about assigning guilt or causing shame. Neither are they about earning our acceptance before God. Jesus used these parables to emphasize that God desires the restoration of healthy relationships with each of us. God's desire for relationship is based on God's compassion. It's not based on our worthiness, but on God's grace. Last week, I said that an essential part of our mandate as church is learning to meet the needs of others, both within our parish community and beyond. But it's fair to ask what that looks like in practical terms. Some faith communities raise money for safe drinking water or host a food bank or champion the cause of affordable housing. These are all excellent examples. If we are to live out our mandate as apprentices of Jesus Christ, then we also have to learn how to meet the spiritual and physical needs of those in our families, our neighborhoods, and our communities. We need to become the kind of people who show Christ-like compassion to those who are broken. We need to be people who learn how to forgive extravagantly when we're clearly in the right and the other person is clearly in the wrong. I'd like to ask you a personal question today, and don't worry, it's rhetorical. Many of you have been coming to church for years, some of you for decades. What comfort do you receive from doing so? What value does it add to your life? Does it add something that you don't find anywhere else? Now, whatever that is, whatever that quality is, have you ever told another person about it? Have you ever spoken about that feeling to a grieving or lonely friend? Make no mistake, it takes courage to show that kind of vulnerability and it's not easy. But when we learn to communicate that feeling, 
that's when we begin to care for others on a whole different level. And that's what our faith community and our world so desperately needs. Let's pray. God of the dirtied hands and the wandering feet, you seek out the lost before they ever turn to you. Gather us into your loving embrace and pour upon us your wise and holy spirit so that we may become faithful servants in whom you rejoice with all the company of heaven. Amen. Amen.